This podcast is sponsored by Scout and Cellar. Clean crafted wine delivered to your door. Must be 21 years of age or older and only delivered in the U.S. Hello and welcome to Life Coaching Comedians. Happy Mother's Day. And uh, today I had a guest scheduled to talk about her journey as a mother. And I don't know where she is. I hope she's okay. So uh, let's cut the shit and... uh, (laughs) I figured, um, why not tell you guys uh, my story um, and my struggles as a mother? What a perfect day, right? Um, Mother's Day is always a little uh, tricky for me because, you know, you're out grocery shopping the day before, trying to get everything done, and you see dads and little boys and little girls going and getting stuff for their mom and husbands going to get stuff for their wives. And it's always one of those holidays where I feel some sadness. I feel some depression because um, as most of you know, I raised my daughter completely on my own. And um, there are times when it's not easy. Uh, People often wonder, how do you do it? Are you uh, are you super mom or something? I don't under, I don't know how you do it. I have a husband and I have a family and my mom and my mother-in-law that help. I don't understand how you do it. And the truth is, I don't know how the fuck I do it either. Um, but I do. It's, it's just survival. And um, I figured I'd share my story with you guys. Um, I share it with, you know, friends I get close with or I bond with, but um, most of my family doesn't know my story. Um, So, you know, I hope that they get a chance to watch this and really learn my story because there was a lot of um, shame that came with my story um, as well that, you know, I had to heal from. And I'm finally in that place in my life where I can talk about it. I can talk about a lot of things from my past because so much time has passed and I've truly worked on healing myself. So let's start back to college. Um, I attended the University of Oregon and um, I graduated like one term late than I wanted to um, because there was a couple summers where I, you know, I pretty much had to pay for school on my own. So there was like a couple summers where, or a couple um, semesters where I was only able to take like a couple classes at a time. So I had to stay one extra term to finish all my general credits. And my last uh, couple semesters in college, I was living with um, one of my best friends and a buddy of ours. And my um, best friend at the time was expecting a son. So he was getting ready to move to LA. And I had applied to a grad school that I wanted to go to in LA and I hadn't heard back yet, but the school term was about to start in like three weeks. So I decided, Hey, let's just go anyway. And we got this, um, 
amazing apartment like on the beach. And I shared a room with my best friend until the third roommate was about to move out. And um, I was going to take that room. So I pretty much moved to LA. I had sold my car to my cousin um, and I didn't have a car. I had about $500 in my pocket. And I was like, all right, uh, let's figure out, let's find a job, find a job or something. So I got this job at this um, small little like Chinese restaurant that was walking distance from the apartment. I started working there. And then I got a job. I was trying to find a job on the side as a cocktail waitress or a bartender at a bikini bar. And um, for those of you that aren't familiar with bikini bars, they're pretty much like strip clubs, but there's no nudity. So girls wear lingerie, um, bikinis, and they still give lap dances and dance on the pole and all that stuff, but they there's no nudity. So I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. And um, I always kind of admired exotic dancers. I just thought power, sexy, make a lot of money. So I went in there and I applied to be a waitress or a bartender. And they said that they're full, but you know, you can make a lot of money as a dancer. And I was like, nah, 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 I'm good. Like, I don't want to take off my clothes. And the manager's like, no, you don't have to take off your clothes. You can wear a bikini, whatever. And so I was like, all right, well, fuck it. Let's do it. And that's where the whole journey started. So this was maybe like five months before, actually probably shorter than five. Yeah, it was about five months until I found out that, um, I was pregnant and, um, you know, living in LA, you want to go out and see all the celebrities and the clubs were all hopping. And me and my friends, uh, one of my best friends from college had just moved down and we wanted to show her a good time. Me and my girlfriends, we went out to this club and, um, we had, uh, saw, you know, some celebrities and some rappers and stuff like that. And, um, this particular, uh, celebrity was like all over my friend, Sarah, they're in the music industry. And I'm familiar with the music industry. I got family that's in it. I know the whole steez, what, what the artists want to do. Um, especially the ones that are players are like, Hey, you know, come by to the, come by the studio later. We could smoke some weed and have a little drink and hang out, you know, so-and-so's coming through to lay a couple tracks kind of a deal. And I was like, girl, no, mm-mm. The dude only wants to smash, like, no, don't even give him the time of day. And his friend saw that I was cock blocking. So um, he interjected and started talking to me. And uh, he was funny. That's like my weakness, make me laugh. So he was making me laugh. And I still told him, I was like, hey, look, no, he asked for my number. And I was like, hey, look, no, um, I'm not going to give you my number. Um, you know, I'm not, I'm not about that. I'm not going to go to your studio, go to the studio afterwards and hang out with you. Um, he's like, all right, well, I'll call you tomorrow and we'll go to lunch. And I said, all right, cool. Bet. So he does, he calls me the next day. We go to lunch, we hang out and, you know, we got to know each other. I think we hung out like a few times and talked on the phone a lot. He left to go on tour and like, I actually developed a strong like for this person and thought he was cool and maybe like misunderstood. And then we eventually had sex and I believe it was the very, actually the very second time, um, about four, six weeks later, I found out I was pregnant and, um, we used the condom, the condom broke, I used plan B. And so I thought I was in the clear, but, um, four weeks later I had ended up getting a job working for a lawyer 
and um, he was like a, a, I think he mainly did like malpractice, like medical malpractice. And he had this small office in Santa Monica and he was like an older, older Jewish guy. And um, I started working for him and he um, was like, Hey, were you ever interested in doing law? Would you ever do like paralegal? And I was like, yeah, I loved Ally McMeal growing up. So I felt like I was in a really good place. Like I was working at this law firm. I was working at this Chinese restaurant. And then I was hustling at the bikini bar on the side. I felt like my mind was on the right track. I was doing the right thing. I was really hustling. And um, then one day in the office, I smelt something. I was like, what does that smell? So I was like, something is like rotting. Smells like something is rotting. What is it? We couldn't figure out what it was. I was like, I swear to God, there's something that's rotting. I was like craving like soda in the morning and like fried rice and like all this like weird stuff for breakfast. And um, my friend was like, hey, girl, like, do you think you could be pregnant? And I was like, I don't think so. Like I, you know, the last time I had sex, I did take, you know, plan B because the condom broke. So there's no way. She's like, well, maybe you just want to like go and get tested and see what's going on. So I went and got tested. They told me I was four weeks pregnant and I was like, that's, that's impossible. I took plan B and she's like, well, you know, it's only 60% effective. The Planned Parenthood person was like, not, I don't know if she just wasn't well trained, but I was like crying and she, um, no sympathy. She's like, yeah, it's only like 60% effective. All right, I'll give you a moment and like left. And it was so weird. And I was like, holy shit. I, all right, I'm in LA. I've only been here for like five, six months, getting my hustle on, don't have a car. And I really didn't know what to do. So the first thing I did was I called my girlfriend. I asked her to come pick me up. Um, because uh, I was just like in tears. I didn't want to be in the street. So she came pick me up and I tried calling, you know, the guy who was the father and I called him and I got a disconnection notice and I was completely mortified. Um, just thinking about it gets me in tears. I was completely mortified. Um, I was like, holy shit. Like it was in that moment that I knew that I was like doing this all on my own. and. Um, so I was just kind of like freaking out, freaking out, freaking out. And um, I can't believe I'm fucking sharing this right now. Um, I was freaking out. And I know that we had um, exchange information on like Twitter and like Twitter was the thing then. It's, I mean, I guess it still is. And um, email. So I sent him an email and like um, he wasn't like, I sent him a lot of emails like, hey, we need to talk nothing. Hey, like, can you give me a call? Whatever, nothing. And then there was uh, one day, maybe like three weeks later where I was like hemorrhaging and I was bleeding really bad. So I had to go to the hospital and I was like freaking out. No one went to the hospital with me. I went all by myself. Um, I had called my mom and uh, my mom was rock through like all of this. Cause my mom, you know, she had me when she was a young, when she was at a young age, she was like 19. And so she was just a rock for me. And she was, uh, my mom's amazing. She's, my mom is my warrior. I love you, mom. And um, so I'm waiting at the hospital to get like an ultrasound and all this stuff. And they pretty much told me, you know, like I have to be on bed rest for like at least a week. And when I was taking a taxi back home, 
I opened up my email and I had all these messages from him and um, they were like super delayed. Like it showed a stamp date being returned from the day that I had originally sent the messages. It was just super bizarre. And at that point I had already made a decision to go back home um, just to, you know, tell my dad, my, my stepfather, tell my dad officially cause he didn't know yet. And, um, there was this whole period where my mom was like really encouraging me to, you know, make the choice of like going through with the pregnancy. Cause I was super unsure knowing that this guy had like completely ghosted me and she connected me with some amazing people to, um, tell me about their stories. Um, a couple of women in particular that chose to have an abortion, um, one of my really good friends had got pregnant before me, same story, like plan B didn't work. I was like, man, I don't know if there was like a year where like plan B was defective or what. I'm still waiting for that class law, <laughs> class action lawsuit. No, I'm just kidding. Um, and she went through um, the abortion process and I watched it tear her apart. And so I was really, really torn on what, what to do. And, um, I decided, all right, you know what, I'm going to go through with this. Um, you know, this little miracle inside me is probably going to do something really amazing and I know I can do it. So I went home and of course my father wasn't happy. Um, even though my father is my stepdad, he raised me since I was three and he was definitely my first love. He was my best friend. He is the reason why I'm silly. I'm goofy. I'm a comedian. Um, he taught me how to be a go-getter. He is an amazing stand-up guy. But of course, he had a hard time letting go of the fact that, um, you know, I my plans or the plans that he had for me didn't go as planned. So then that put kind of a stiff in our relationship. And he was trying to handle his emotions. And I didn't know how to react to his his emotions. And so I ended up leaving, going back home and not saying goodbye to him. And that, that affected our relationship for probably like five years uh, where we didn't talk a whole lot. So then I felt even like more alone. And, um, I went through with a pregnancy. It was one of the worst experiences I've had in my life. So when I see people who are pregnant and happy and people that love being pregnant, I absolutely want to barf in my fucking mouth. I'm like, oh my God, that's so disgusting. Like, of course you love being pregnant. You have this loving husband that's supporting you. And I was just so jealous and so angry. And um, I would literally walk the beach barefoot every night and just cry and pray to God and to find strength and figure out how to get through this because I had no idea what I was going to do. Um, once I got pregnant, um, the lawyer I worked for didn't like the fact that I was pregnant. He sat me down and keep in mind, this guy said some pretty like misogynistic things to me a few times. Like I didn't even know how to react to it. Like this was, you know, I was like 22. I was still trying to figure out how to stand up for myself and create boundaries and all this stuff. And I remember it was one day I was sitting in his office and he was like telling me this story about when he was in law school and how him and all his buddies took like LSD and they all got hyped and they had like this orgy and it was, he was like, it was so hot. It was so amazing. And I was like, I couldn't believe he was telling me the story. I was literally like sitting there with my mouth open, like oh, what's happening right now. And then when he finished the story, he was like, well, that story was really hot to, 
got me super excited to, to do anything for you. And I was like, uh, I'm going to go back to work now. <laughs> what the fuck? He is so weird. He was so disgusting. So then he sits me down when he finds out that I'm pregnant. And um, he's like, you know, my wife works at an abortion clinic um, and a woman's health clinic. She's an OBGYN. Um, we can get this taken care of for you. And you could just, you know, I'll just give you an advance out of your next paycheck. Again, mouth to the fucking floor. I was like, um, are you like encouraging me on what to do with my body? Like, that's not cool. And I think this is where a lot of my, um, negative self-limiting beliefs began to be adopted by me listening to this dude because he was like, you're always gonna, he was like, well, what's up with the dad? And I was like, we've been kind of like emailing, but you know, he hasn't been around. And he's like, he, and he's like, and he's, he's African American. I said, yeah. And he was like, oh yeah, he's, he's, he's not going to be around. He's not going to be around. You're going to be doing this single. You're always going to be struggling. It's going to be hard for you to get to work because you're going to have to find childcare. And then when childcare doesn't follow through, that puts your job at jeopardy. You're going to be, um, you know, having to buy clothes. You're going to be having to do this. You're going to have to be doing that. It's going to be an extreme struggle for you to raise a child on your own. So again, we can go ahead and take care of this tomorrow and I will give you an advance to cover the cost of it. And I was like, all right, well, thank, thank you for that information pretty much. And he didn't like the fact that I wasn't like, okay, yeah, let's go ahead and schedule it. Let's get taken care of because I was still trying to, you know, figure out what I wanted to do. And I pretty much made up in my mind that I was going to go through with it. So after a few days of that, um, he had sent me this email out of the blue and wrote this, all this bullshit saying that I hadn't been focused at work and I was making mistakes, which was not true. I, when I have something that's bothering me um, and I have a task oriented job, I get really focused in the task because it's a distraction for me. So I was actually killing it. But um, yeah, he sent me this email and pretty much said that like, if I don't straighten up or do better that, um, that he's going to let me go. And that, and he wrote that letter to cover his ass because he's a lawyer, not a very good one, but whatever. <laughs> so I, I left the job. And, um, during the time I was pregnant, um, I was able to start waitressing and being a door girl at the bikini bar or the PG gentlemen's club, whatever you want to call it. And, um, it was hard kind of being in there while being pregnant. Um, but um, at least I had my clothes on and I made a lot of money. Um, so I was able to stack up and get back on my feet. And everyone there was really supportive. There was a, another lady there that was um, pregnant at the time with her, I think it was her second baby at the time. And she gave me a bunch of books and like all these resources. And I mean, I love her to this day. She was, she was a rock for me for sure. And at one point, um, the father um, did come with me to one ultrasound um, appointment. And um, we went together. He had just, he claimed he had just like came home from the studio. He came with me. 
um, and drove down. And um, it was it was a really good experience. Um, my midwife was really supportive. She knew the whole situation. She was a black woman. And um, she was really happy for me that he came and he seemed to be like really excited about it. He was being really loving and we went home and um, like took a nap and he left and, you know, he talked to the baby in my stomach and was like, you know, daddy loves you, blah, 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 blah. Like we're going to be a family. And from that point on, it was just like a bunch of empty promises. And um it was just like a text message relationship where like, oh yeah, I'm going to come by tonight or oh yeah, I'm going to do this or oh yeah, I'm going to do that. And he never came through on any of it. And it was super confusing for me. Um, you know, I realized that I didn't know this guy very well. Um, and maybe he was just putting his best foot forward and showing me the side or the person that he wanted to be. But in fact, he wasn't that person at all. So I started getting pissed. My sadness started to turn into anger and I started doing some digging because there was a, the last time I saw him, I had asked him something about his voicemail. I think it was because his voicemail was um, a little girl. And he did tell me when we met that he had a daughter um, and he said a very specific name. And then um, I was like, oh, your voicemail was cute um, of, you know, and I said the daughter's name. And he was like, that's not my daughter's name. My daughter's name is da-da-da. And I was like, I swore you said your daughter's name was that. He's like, no, you're tripping. That's not my daughter's name. So then I was like, all right, something's not adding up. So I started to dig. And I found out that he had multiple children. He told me about he only had one. I found out he had at least three children, including the one that he told me about. And so I reached out to one of the other mothers and just said like, hey, I'm calming in peace. Um, this is the situation. I don't know what I'm doing or what I'm dealing with. And um, I'd be really grateful if you'd be willing to talk with me um, just so I can kind of like, I don't know, get my head on straight. I don't want any drama or anything like that. Just like, you know, two women sticking together. Like that's, that's what I'm looking for right now. And she's like, yeah, absolutely. So we went to um, BJ's and we met up and I think I was like six or eight months pregnant at this time. And she told me her whole story and they were still, they were very much in a relationship at one point for like a long time. And they kept going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And he was always unfaithful and, and they would always get in fights and there was a lot of drama between them. And I, and we were both just like crying fucking BJ's eating a bazooki. And, um, it was a really beautiful moment. Like I, I love that woman so much, um, for being brave enough to share her story with me and feeling safe enough. And, um, you know, to this day, like I could call her up and it'd be all love. And she introduced me to, um, the other mother cause she knew her as well. And, um, the other mom, um, she is the, the niece of the family that has been like our God, our godparents pretty much. And so that was a very like crucial person to me. And to this day, her and I are still really good friends. And she shared her story with me and her daughter is a year older than mine. And, you know, they know each other. They know that they're sisters and everything. And she um, was a major rock for me, too. And um, she, you know, shared her story with me as well. And, um, you know, she's like, my cousin can help babysit. 
So her cousin started to help help me ba- to help babysit so I could work. And um, and uh, after you know, well, I guess I'm skipping ahead, but yeah. So she, you know, she's like, let me introduce you to my cousin, whatever. So I had gone to like a birthday party or whatever, met the cousin, and then um, you know, a few months later, I had uh, my daughter, and my mom flew out. And, um, the experience at the hospital was like super, super rough because I was on, um, Medi-Cal. I went to the Harbor US UCLA hospital, which is like where all the students go and study and all that stuff. So when I went in and I was, and I was in labor for like 23 hours or something crazy like that. So when I, when I went in, they asked me, you know, is it cool if students come in and see what's going on? So like every time they're checking my, um, my, uh, how dilated I was, there was like 10 people coming in looking in my vagina. And it was just like, all right. By the time that the epidural kicked in, like, I didn't really care anymore, but, um, by, it was just crazy. So anyway, my doctor who I think I met like twice was like this really small petite Italian woman. So when it came to the part, to the time where I was like pushing, um, I guess I wasn't pushing correctly. I don't know. I took the Lamaze class. I did all that shit, but I wasn't pushing correctly. And she was like, look, if you don't, uh, if you don't push, okay. It was like, oh, okay. I just want to have the baby. Let's, let's cut her open. And she was just being super aggressive. And mom was there. Oh my God. My best guy friend was there. Poor guy got stuck in the corner the Italian doctor is thinking he's the dad. And she's like, you need to be more supportive. I'm like, that's not the dad. Oh my God, this is terrible. And I'm like crying, trying to push the baby out. I'm shitting all over the table. I finally um, get her out with a vacuum assist. She has the cord wrapped around her neck. She's not breathing. She's blue. It's scary. I literally gave birth to her at 9-11 in the morning. And um, they revived her. She was fine, but I wasn't allowed to hold her. They just took her straight up to NICU. And... um, I remember my mom like left the room um, for a minute. I don't know if she went to go do something or whatever. Maybe they went to go see the baby and the nurses, there was two nurses and they like immediately made me get up to use the bathroom. And I don't know, I have to ask my auntie. My auntie works in labor and delivery, but they mainly like, I couldn't move my legs. I was completely out of it. my um, amniotic sac had ruptured like 24 hours before I even gave birth. So there was an infection. They had me on antibiotics. They had to put her on antibiotics. It was just like a big old scary mess. And they took me into the bathroom and they left me there and I passed out. I hit my head against the tile wall in the bathroom and fell on the floor. And I remember them having a delayed reaction and they were like, oh shit. And they came and they picked me up and they waved like an alcohol wipe in front of me and got me to wake up. And they're like, are you okay? And I was just like, mm. and they're like, oh, she's fine. And they like put me in a wheelchair. <laughs> it was just like, oh, it was like the worst experience ever. And then they took me to my room and then they took the wheel- wheelchair and left. And I guess there was like a big shortage of wheelchairs in this hospital. So they were like, oh, we had to take the wheelchair, um, but we'll bring back another one in like half an hour so you can go and see the baby. And I'm like, all right. So me and my mom are like sitting there and I, I don't know, I'd have to ask my mom, but I think we were sitting there and for at least like eight hours. Cause I remember it wasn't until nighttime that I actually get, got to go into NICU and see her. And I had her at nine 11 in the morning. So we we're like trying to like pump milk and do all that stuff. My milk hadn't came in yet. 
And then I finally got to see her and it was just like, it was weird. I really felt like not being able to hold her in the first 12 hours was the reason I had postpartum depression. Um, and of course, underlying circumstances of not having um, my, you know, a partner there to help me. Um, one of my really good friends was there. Um, the baby mamas came through and they're all asking me, you know, are you going to let him know that you had the baby? And, and I was like, I don't know. Like, I haven't talked to him. I really didn't want to, but I just figured out of respect for being the father of my child, like I'll let him know. And so I just, I sent him a text and I was like, Hey, I just want to let you know that our, um, that our daughter was born. She weighs this much. She was this and she, you know, whatever it was happened this time or whatever. And his response was, so what do you want? Like money or something? <laughs> and I was like, wow. Um, no, I really just wanted to let you know that your daughter was born. So have a good day. <laughs> and, um, he never came to see her. Um, he never checked on us. And then the rage started because my friends started to get my girlfriends that were there for me and that were there the night that I met him. They were pissed. They were pissed for me. I was just trying to like figure out how to move on. I've always been the type of person where like, I hate drama. I don't like confrontations. And if I feel like it's taking too much of my energy, I just try to let it go and move on. And, but sometimes I don't necessarily heal from it. So, um, my girlfriends are like getting on Twitter and all this stuff and they're like calling him out. And then he was saying that it wasn't his. And so then I filed for child support um, and they had to do a paternity test. We got the paternity test back. It was 99.9999993% positive paternity test. And um, I took a picture of it and sent it to one of my friends and she took it and posted it on Twitter and was like, in your face, bitch, your baby. It, just, it got ghetto for a second. And um, yeah, I saw him a couple times like at child support court. I didn't bring my daughter with me. I didn't want it, I didn't want it to be that kind of setting for him to see her or her to see him. And um, I think the last time that I was there with him, like for mediation or whatever, I found out that he had like another child support case that was opened after us. And then one of the other baby mamas a couple years later found out there was another one. So, you know, he was having a lot of kids and um, eventually I started to learn more about him and just saw that, you know, he had his own struggles that he was dealing with his own trauma, his own demons and just decided, you know what? even though he hasn't done right by me, I'm just going to forgive him for me and, and work on healing myself. And I hope that he'll be able to heal himself too. So, you know, one day that he, he could be a good dad. And, um, I've just always allowed him to be able to contact me. Um, so he can, you know, have a relationship with his daughter. And, you know, as my daughter got older, um, you know, I eventually gave her a cell phone so she can keep in contact with him. Um, at one point, um, he had sent her presents. He came out to Arizona cause he was on tour and got to meet her when she was five. And that was a really beautiful experience. It was, a, I was really glad I got to witness that. I really thought things were going to change after that, but they didn't. And, um, I just had to like be at 
peace with it. And, um, you know, and to this day, like, you know, my daughter wants to see him and I try to like arrange visits for her to see him, but he won't contact me back. So I suggested, you know, she starts, you know, reaching out to him and, um, it's just, it's never a win. It's never a win. And the best thing that I can do as a mom is, you know, be honest with my daughter about the situation. And, um, you know, I've told her, you know, that I try make an effort and I never talk negatively about him because I'm no better than him. I'm not, I'm not perfect. He's not perfect. We, we all have our demons. Does that mean that I deserve what I've been through? No. But then again, from a spiritual standpoint, I'm like, maybe I do. I don't know. Like I am a huge believer that what we go through in this life is because of what we did in the past life or what happened to us in the past life, um, lessons to learn. And so I just try to humble myself each time that something happens that's not necessarily in my favor or in my daughter's favor and just try to keep her level headed and understand that, you know, it may be tough right now with him being absent, but you'll, I'm confident that she'll get an opportunity to like really get to know him and spend time with him when she gets older, like I did with my biological father. Um, and it's just, it's tough because, you know, my mom's, my mom had issues with her dad. My dad wasn't around, um, because my parents had separated when I was younger and there was a lot of, broken promises there and then to have a baby with someone that gave me a bunch of broken promises and then i i can't say that he hasn't given my daughter broken promises um i don't think so but like i just want to break the pattern so bad and the best way that i can do that is by healing myself and teaching my daughter that her emotions are a guiding system for her spirit and how to deal with things in life. And um, sometimes I feel like I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. I, I don't, I'm just kind of like winging it. I'm trying to be honest. I'm just trying to, I don't want her to have any reason to hate me or say that I lied to her or, or I did something wrong. Who knows, she's you know getting hormonal. There may be a time where she does hate me or doesn't want to be around me, but um, I'm doing the best I can. I'm doing the best I can and um, you know, I want to thank my friends and my family, my support system that remind me that I'm doing a good job because sometimes I feel like I'm not. And um, I think the best thing that I could have done for myself is start pursuing comedy again because I had given up at one point. And um, I feel like by me continuing to like follow my dreams and pursue what I want to do and do what I love every day whether it's a podcast or make a funny video or go up on stage and tell jokes. Um, my, you know, my daughter tells my godparents and, um, you know, her babysitters and other friends, like, you know, my mom's the best. She's so funny. My mom's awesome. My mom does this. My mom does that. So, um, I guess I'm doing something right, you know, but, um, anyway, that is most of my story. Um, and I guess I figured I would tell that today. It's Mother's Day since my guests didn't show up. And 
real Lexi voice and not my character voice um, as a way to just kind of put it all out there. Um, you know, I was a single mom. I struggled. I was a stereotype. I was a stripper. I did all that shit to survive. And I came out on the other side 10 years later, you know, making a six figure income, buying my own home all by myself and was able to create a safe, stable environment for my daughter to, you know, be able to flourish into the wonderful flower she's becoming as a, as a young lady, as she's going into her, you know, teenage years and whatnot. And, um, even though I've done all that, there are sometimes there are days where I feel like I'm not doing enough or haven't done enough. But for all of you mothers out there, I think today is a, is a great day to kind of self-reflect on everything that you have accomplished so far and say, I'm a fucking badass mom and I'm doing this shit. Whether you have a partner or not, like I'm doing this shit. I did this shit. I'm owning this. I love myself. I love my kid and I'm going to do my best every day and be proud of yourself. Don't be hard on yourself. Give yourself some grace on those days where it's harder on those days that you don't want to get out of bed. And so I hope that you guys all take this day to really honor your body and give yourself exactly what you need. Um, let your kids clean for the day and cook you dinner. No, they're not going to do it as, as good as you do it. They're not, they're never going to clean as good as you, but let them do it anyway and just be okay with the job that they do. I know that one is a hard one. I've been working on that one, just letting go of control. Um, but, um, yeah, I have um, a lot of love for all you guys for supporting me, um, you know, kind messages. I love all of you so much. And um, yeah, that's all I have to say. Um, I just uh, want to send you guys all light and love. And I hope you all have a wonderful Mother's Day. And thank you for listening. All right. I'll see you guys later.